Well, uh, this is another one of our, our series of kind of previewing talks we're having at Spring One Platform uh, down there in my hometown of Austin, Texas, uh, pretty soon here. And uh, I, have, I have half of, of one of the speakers, so to speak, <laughs> on today for, for a talk that will have two speakers. But why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about what you'll be speaking on. Yes. Hello, everyone. I'm Alexandra Lung, and I work as a senior product manager in the Pivotal Labs Paris office. So what I do on a day-to-day basis uh, here at Labs in Paris is that I work with different clients from various industries, and we help them build better products by coaching them to new methodologies uh, as lean, agile, user-centered design, and new ways of collaboration as a team. And I, I remember uh, looking over your proposal. I think it's in the leadership track, right? If, yeah, if exactly. I remember. Right. Well, so I'm one of the people who reviews for that. And I remember, uh, and I, I, forget, I think at some point, anyways, I forget how it, how it came about, but uh, I remember looking over it and thinking, this is perfect because it's about two very, uh, well, I wouldn't say very, two usually obscure topics. One, uh, like, what leadership is <laughs> and, <laughs> and the world of managing in um, managing that area of, uh, of sort of like, let's make sure our software does something useful, <laughs> like, like on the product area, but then also the area of product management, which I think obviously for someone like yourself is, uh, and people who work in software vendors and some other people is sort of obvious, but I find that in the, let's call it enterprise space. I don't know what you see, but there's not always a lot of product managers. Like it doesn't seem like a, a overly common role, but I guess that's, that's the first thing to ask is like, do, do product managers show up a lot in non-tech enterprises in your experience? Mm, wow. Great question. Actually, I think it's really, really interesting. And, and this is actually one of the reasons I, I wanted to give this talk at Spring One platform is as well for the fact that we talk a lot about product management and product management, project product management role is more and more um, kind of out there. Like when you search on LinkedIn, you get a lot, a lot of hits, but it's still a little bit unclear on what a PM should do. Like, and also there's a lot of mixes, like, are you a PM, a product manager, a product owner, a project manager? Like in some cases, they even ask for the product manager to do some design, to do some tangent marketing. I mean, it's all, it's still a little bit blurry and I think a lot of times it's still misunderstood. Like, for example, I, I coach a few people in, uh, in PM roles in, in different organizations and I still get this question in my first sessions, you know, where, where, the, where the person I'm mentoring and coaching asks me, oh, can you tell me all this, like, a list of skills or stuff I need to know in all this <laughs> Right. And actually, I'm like, I'm sorry, but there's no perfect recipe. Like, it depends a lot on the industry, on the product, on company, on the market, like, on so many things. Yeah, yeah. No, in in a related area of, like, the many definitions and faces of, of, I don't know, enterprise product management, I was talking with someone just yesterday, and they were saying – you know, for better or worse, usually for worse, sometimes when they're uh, in a large organization and they meet like a scrum manager, they sort of become a de facto product manager, you know, which is usually not what a scrum master should be doing in totality. But I guess, I guess by, um, well, for two reasons, one, 
they're available. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a person who can do the work. <laughs> and, and, uh, and two, you know, I think a lot of what a scrum master or an agile coach or whatever would do would help you kind of come up with the features or the stories you, you were going to do and kind of help like prioritize the backlog and do some of the things that sometimes product managers do. But it was, uh, it's kind of to your point of like this role tends to be sharded out amongst uh, many different. Yeah. And like, even for me, actually, as you're asking of like non, non, maybe non-software products, like actually I started working as a PM in software while I was working at a company that wasn't doing software at the time. And I was a product manager, but mostly like product marketing manager. Oh, right. They wanted to start being a software company. So they're like, okay, we're going to start this amazing new software product and we need a product manager. How about you do it? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This is how I kind of started. And it's funny because it, it is very different depending on the product and if it's software or not. Like you do have some mechanics that can be like, but it is very different. And it does take quite a few specific skills and some experience in, in understanding the mechanics and really leading the product. Because for me, like what's really similar in between all these jobs and when you have a PM is that the PM is the one who leads the product. Mm. And you were talking about leadership at the beginning and um, it's really interesting because, you know, as a PM, you are not the boss of the team. So you're not the person that is actually like, you can't be there like, oh, you do that, you do that. And then like give me a report at the end of the day. It's like silly. So you really need to find a way of leading the product and the team towards success, but without this uh, really official authority. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe, maybe as a way to kind of like continue to feel ourselves around not only what a product manager does, but how they go about doing it. Like, as, as you were saying, you're not necessarily in the role to tell people what to do. <laughs> and given, given that lack of like command and control, I guess, like what is, what's like the outcome that a product manager is going for? Like, what's the goal they're trying to arrive at and then as a part of that i mean because the answer is always it depends like how do you figure out what what those goals are you're trying to achieve well i think that as a product manager you always want to build a product that is really relevant for the users and that makes the business grow like whatever industry you're in but i think another important um like outcome that you want to have and that would really help you be successful is really the team and the collaboration like really the people you know as I was saying you can't go there and be like oh you do that and it does happen like this in some companies it's not a sometimes it's the PM sometimes it's the CEO that goes and tells the team look you have this list of features you have three months do it but that's that's like we we all know that that doesn't get us to have a good product and eventually it will also lead to no team because that's so not motivating so for me a very important part of the job of the pm is also um at, while leading the product to inspire the team to and to really empower the team through really really good collaboration it's like for example what we do a lot at pivotal and that what we get more and more into our clients mindset as well is 
to work with small teams that collaborate very, very closely. Like usually you will have a product manager, a product designers and engineers, and they will have, they will have all the autonomy to take different decisions in, in building the product. And everyone will really have its say. And as a PM, I always make sure to include the different members of the team in all, in all the different activities. For example, when we build our roadmap, I won't be there with one stakeholder and be like, okay, what should we pick and choose? I, I will have in, in, that, in that workshop, there will be designers that can advocate really for what we heard from the user. And we will have engineers as well. And, that, and they can advocate for the technical feasibility or for different things that they have heard during user interviews or from business. And that makes it really interesting as the team is really building the product together and our different views are really enriching the, the path to our product success. And, and so, so I've got all sorts of follow-up questions from based on that. And to, to sort of facilitate that, like do you, do you have like a, an example of like an application or a product you, you're either working on or working on the past that we can kind of um, use as an example of those points? Yeah, I think a great example is um, is one that I'm going to mention more in depth at at Spring One platform as well. Is a project we've done with uh, with Orange here in France, and uh, I think for yeah for Orange we did reach to implement all these different aspects. Like uh, I think as all big organizations, you have you usually have a lot of teams, a lot of um, sometimes multiple layers into decision making and. Actually, we got really, really great leaders from Orange that wanted to try this new way of working with small teams that are really like empowered to to make different decisions. So, what we implemented with them was like really small, what we call balanced teams, and we like we went doing everything together. We started with listening to the user, doing some user research, gathering more and more data, and then building together a roadmap and started iterating in a in a very lean way we wanted to de-risk very early so we were building really small pieces of software testing them and then going iteratively more and more into into releasing more and more software and actually it's it worked really really well for them not only on this project but they actually the person i'm going to speak at what with at uh, at the conference at, at S1P is a product manager for Orange that worked with me on this project. And now she is implementing the same methods of work and the same product mindsets that we, that we have here at Labs within another team in Orange. So it's really mm-hmm. cool to see how they can they're actually scaling, starting from what we, we did with it together here. So she's doing the, uh, the itinerant product management thing where, you know, you, you, uh, you establish and learn how to do something on one project. And, and help the other people, and then you sort of uh, rotate to another one to, to spread the new way of doing things. Yeah, and it's really great to see how, how well it worked for them in that project and like how it works really well on like new projects as well in, in, in the same organization. So, so what, like, what, what did the, the product do? Like, I mean, how, however detailed you can or can't get, like, what, uh, what was it? The project was um, on the online assistance. Mm. experience actually uh we were we had we were rebuilding the whole, the whole online assistance for um for for orange here in france and it was actually a pretty 
a very interesting uh, project because uh, there were like as in all big company that has a lot of products, a lot of customers, there was like so much information, right? And we were trying to help customers get an answer to their questions. But you can imagine how wide the questions this <laughs> right. be for a very, very big company. So um, the interesting part is that we started as we usually do and we, we, we wanted to hear the users. So we went, uh, we went and we started doing some user interviews and um, so we would put we would put a user in a, in a room with us here in in our office, and we would ask them, okay, so um, imagine that you you have a problem with your with your operator. Uh, what would you do? You have this uh, big problem. What do you do? And they were like, I would call. But we were trying to digitalize the whole experience more and more and make this experience better. So we would be like, okay, but imagine if you cannot uh, call, what would you do? So actually, the persons were trying to, to give, the users were trying to give us some answers. But what we saw is that it was very, very hypothetical. In, in this case, it was really hard on a sunny afternoon drinking a nice coffee to imagine that you have this big problem and if you don't solve it your boss is going to fire you <laughs> right. and you would it would be even more difficult to imagine that you wouldn't do what you usually do which was calling so it was really interesting for us to see that in this case we couldn't use the user interviews like in a lot of projects I worked on, especially here at Pivotal Labs, it works wonders. Like you, you, you see the users. We really have really gifted uh, product designers that know how to how to ask these questions, really unveil the different problems and and pains and opportunities for our users. But in this case, it simply didn't work. And so we were like, okay, so we can't gather for now information directly from the user, and. We need to work with data, but we had absolutely no data. So in this case, we decided that we have to build our own data. So um, we started implementing some data workshops uh, in the team, within the balance team, to start figuring out what data we need to start um, gathering and how we can run very quick experiments in order to start having this data. Like, for example, we added... Um, we added a, a search engine, even if it wasn't like a, a really working, very well working search engine, we, we really spent a minimum amount of time, but we wanted to know what people were looking for so that we can prioritize what information we should, we should display first. Because imagine you have like 10,000 topics, you cannot simply start with everything. So we really figured out our way little by little, and we will give more examples and more details about this in the conference, of how to build your data where you, in a case where you cannot grab it directly from user research and when the company doesn't have the data initially. Yeah, that's interesting because it is um, – I mean, tell me, tell me if I'm thinking about it wrong, but it does – it seems like one of the roles, and of course you want the whole team to be responsible and have ownership, but one of the things that a PM might be concerned with is like, we don't really know what we're doing here, <laughs> right? Like, like and, and the usual tool we would have, like you were saying, is we could interview people and ask them what they want, but 
as you say, when they're having coffee and things are good, they, they don't sometimes really even know uh, how they would go about doing things or what their problems are or, or things like that. So then I, I would imagine at some point, uh, like you or, uh, you know, your, your, uh, your, your pair there, if you will, had to sort of figure out like, all right, we need to figure something out here, right? Like we can't just make assumptions about what we're doing. We don't really have that good of an idea or as good an idea we would like. So let's, as a team, let's come up with ways to actually fix that and, and uh, gather that information. Yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what happened for us. And then, and then, so, so with that example, um, this, I'll I'll go back to one of the questions I, I had before getting the example, which it's another one of these like basic examples, but I think it's, it's instructive to talk about a little bit because it, uh, it uh, it explains a lot of what we take for granted, and then therefore the advice that we give when people uh, seek to improve their software. And like, so why why is it important for teams to be kind of like autonomous rather than told what to do? <laughs> <laughs> wow, thank you for the question. <laughs> well, I think there are multiple reasons. One of the things is also that the team and the team members are the ones that are really in contact with the users. They will really hear different, the different information from the user. Also, the team, like for example, I'm thinking now about the engineers, really know the tech stuff in and out and pretty in detail. And we also have, uh, for example, the PM discussing with stakeholders and leaders, we have the knowledge about what's important for the business. So the team really has all the knowledge and the skills to, to take this decisions that are, that are relevant for the product and that will benefit both the business and the user. Another, another important aspect is also team motivation and, and team you know, empowerment. I've been in companies where we were told what to do and yeah, the, the teams w- would do it because it was their job, the team brackets, right? But here, when, for example, as an engineer, if you go and hear the user in, an, in one interview, I mean, it, I'm not saying like the whole team needs to, needs to be there for all the activities, but you hear them out, you hear their, their pain. And you, so when you actually build that feature, you know why you're doing it. You know that you're really going to help someone with that. You know that that there is, a, is really a meaning. It's something very, very meaningful that you are that you are building, and it's like so much motivating to know really the why yeah. of why you're doing it. And especially also when you can really work as a team and you have this great collaboration, you really feel that you're going all together in the same in, in the same direction. And I think you know all human beings we want to be part of something bigger. We want to be part of something positive. And while you're in the middle of all that and you know why you're building it and you can also take the decisions in order to build it, it just creates a kind of magic in the team that leads us to really great products. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that, that, you know, obviously it's sort of a uh, leading question. <laughs> you know, why economy is important. But I think, you know, you know to to sort of like highlight some of the things you were saying. And when, when I think about the why autonomous is question, uh, you know, the question like, like, like it seems like there's two things. And again, tell me if, if, if you see this one, 
no one person can know or do everything. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you have to have, as you were saying, right? Like the developers or engineers, like they know what is technologically viable in kind of the constraints that you have, right? So, you know, as a, uh, as a, as a product manager, you couldn't tell them to like, you know, invent real artificial intelligence that just to use an absurd example, as, but especially when it comes to, uh, you know, helping people look up customer support things like there's just limits to what, what you can do despite what happens in movies. And, um, I don't know, maybe there's some super PM somewhere who could do all that and program. They just, they just, <laughs> <laughs> it, but probably not right and and then similarly like all the roles like that uh like you just don't have those skills there and i think and then at the end i mean you were hitting on something that i think happens i don't know i mean it'd be interesting to know how you quantify and convince let's say upper management you will if you will of these things but like i think i think when in someone in a role like yourself and then someone like me who's lucky to talk to people who actually work on software like if they're happy, they usually do their software better, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And, and if they have, as you were saying, they have that sense of like fulfillment and doing things, but it's almost like it's kind of hard to convince people of that. Uh, and having, allowing people to be autonomous, like really feeds into happiness, right? That they're not just uh, gears in the factory. Yeah, definitely. But uh, there's another point uh, to this as well. It's like I'm talking about teams that work in autonomy, but not in isolation. Mm. I mean, it's very important to to know, and this, this is a lot of the PM's job as well, is that you you need to communicate a lot with your stakeholders. Like, they, for, for example, every product comes with a vision, right? And this vision is usually defined with upper management, with with leaders in the company and it needs to, to it will it will be coherent and it will feed into the bigger vision of the company so he, your leaders help you build this vision and then while deciding uh, how to get to this vision and getting more into the implementation part the leaders are, are still there next to you they will, will not be there to tell you what to do every day but as a PM I'm very careful to invite uh, managers um, to certain activities that we're, that we're creating. For example, if creating a roadmap that is based on, based on outcomes versus a list of features on a timeline, if it's the first time that we're doing that for, with a company, I make sure that the management is there as well to understand the how and the why and to really be onboarded with how, how the, the team is going to do things. And, and so when you, like, like, for example, with the... Uh the application you were mentioning earlier, like as, as a PM, what does it look like at the beginning when you're trying to figure out what that kind of vision is, right? Because the way you described it visually to me, or at least spatially, is sort of like there's, uh, there's leadership or upper management and they come up with some, uh, some general directions and desires they want for the organization. And then, and then that kind of like trickles down to be detailed and executed into the organization, um, and so, like, at what point does a PM sort of, like, get out a bucket and capture the vision <laughs> and, and, and the strategy and translate it to what the team actually does? Well, I think it depends. If you're already, like, if you're there when the, when the vision is created, um, it's interesting if sometimes the PM is part of it, right? And once we have this vision, we also need to make sure that the product really uh, 
would really make sense for the user, for the market. Like that vision will usually touch a need, but up to the point that we, up, when it's just a new idea, we don't know yet if it's really going to make it or not. So actually what the PM does, and ideally with a team at the beginning, is um, what we call discovery, product discovery. We are going to go out there and use data, uses uh, technical technical exploration and see if this product is feasible for the user and for the business. Mm. And one, what, what, what do you mean by for the business? For the business, uh, it it depends on the company, but it can mean uh, it will help us um, earn more money in this sector or position ourselves on a new market or uh, minimize costs sometimes. Right, right. Like, like it, it, it does something useful for the business. Yeah, it will help the business <laughs> be more successful or grow. Yeah, yeah, you know, that, that's an aspect, um, uh, at, at least in my my reading of, of product management over the years, that it comes up every now and then, but... I always feel like there's not enough emphasis on, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, the words are nowadays, but you have, uh, you've got two parties. I mean, I guess there's three. There's the team that you're serving, as it were, like making sure you're creating value for and making sure they're happy and productive and everything we were talking about. And then you have the, uh, the customer, the end user, uh, and you want to make sure the software is useful to them. And then there's also the I don't know, stakeholder in the business. Like you said, you also have to manage the priorities and the needs of the business side and not, not just those other two uh, areas. So that seems like a lot of the work, I don't know, I'm not really familiar with a lot of how PMs interface with like, I don't know, the strategy function or, or all of that as you're talking about, which is, a, which is an interesting bucket to think about. Yeah, I think this is one of the, like the fact that the PM is in the middle of um, stakeholders, team, um, users, and and when I say stakeholders, it can be leaders, but also so many other teams, like the legal team, the marketing team, and so on. It's challenging, but it's also like really, really interesting, and it's really vital for the for the PM to be in contact and to communicate with all these different roles. For example, there are companies where uh, the legal aspect is vital. It can really kill a product. It's not really, like, it depends, but it's, it's not very fun for some PMs to do that, but you need to do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I often wonder who, who finds that fun. I guess maybe the lawyers who do it, but, uh, yeah, it takes, uh, there's not that many people who get excited about, it. oh, goody, we get to do some policy and regulation now. Very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> but it is vital as well as working with marketing and um, making sure that their objectives are met by your product and vice versa, right? Like how can you bring more leads or work with sales? Like in some companies, you launch this amazing product, but sales still sell the product from last year. Why? Like the PM works right. a lot with sales as well in order to, to keep them updated, in order to inspire them with a new product or, or also simply help them understand how they will meet their own goals at sales if they sell more of your product. Right. And I would, I would imagine like with the, you know, with any kind of customer service or customer facing thing, like the, the, the app you all were working on, you know, you would be from the business side, you would be interested in from other cases. I read at least two things. One, uh, it might be 
I don't know if cheaper is the right word, but it might be more efficient and better to do things through um, like an online customer service tool than call centers, essentially, right? Uh, I don't know. Call centers don't seem great <laughs> for, for, for anyone. Uh, they're just sometimes the best way to solve the problem, even if the experience isn't everything you would want it to be. And then related to that, uh, which is another one of these kind of unquantifiable things that I think actually is incredibly strategic that comes up is you just want like better customer experience. Like you want your customers to actually enjoy being a customer and using your service, which I think um, to use another field, like in banking uh, where it's, kind of possible to move from bank to bank pretty easily if you really want to like having that good relationship with your customers seems well worthwhile. Um, I don't know if you can kind of determine what it is and measure it, but I, it, those are like two things in my head. I'm always thinking of like, what is, uh, what's the business stakeholder requirement, so to speak, or, or, you know, thing that a PM should keep their eye on. Yeah, I think, we every time we start a project, we we look at the business objectives. Like we look at product objectives. We look at maybe sometimes we have technical objectives, but we look very closely to to the business objectives. And as a PM, we will always try to focus on. Okay, we all say we want a successful product, but what does success mean? Right. Bec- because we can all have different definitions and just assume that we have the one that's not going to work. So it's very important to ask ourselves what does success look like and quantify it. Yeah, absolutely. Metrics that are, that are objective and quantifiable. And also check, check on it from time to time. Like, for example, when I create even the first iteration of a roadmap, for for a new pro- for an existing or new product, I always go back to the objectives, and I'm like, okay, does this really help the objectives? Does does this go hand in hand with the objectives that we have? Yeah, yeah, which I guess highlights that role. You know, we we you've been mentioning of the PM of having a. Uh, I I always I don't like the phrase big big picture, but, but you have a big picture view of the different uh, parts that come together, right? Like, like I like the way you phrase it where, uh, you know, uh, engineering and design might say this feature is great and, and viable and it's done well. And we have proof that um, people use it in a productive fashion, but then we also need to make sure that it's like valuable to the business <laughs> that the, like the way we prioritize our effort and, um, making sure this feature exists or, or evolves, like it has to also be, you know, viable for the, uh, the ongoing operation of the business. Yeah, exactly. No and it's it also uh, sometimes as simple as it needs to make sense in the whole of the company. There can be problems of you don't want to cannibalize another product, or maybe there is some political uh, context that will make you things make things differently but for this you need to really communicate with your stakeholders and understand what their stakes and what their constraints are at at every moment like it did happen for us as well sometimes we discover amazing things about the users and we're like this is such a great opportunity and sometimes we don't go forward because of uh, political constraints of the company or because it doesn't make sense at the moment for the business and it might make sense later on yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah. There's always you always have to be on the lookout for uh, 
some something that makes your wonderful idea not work in the overall context. <laughs> exactly. And it's not easy, you know, because we are, sometimes we are emotional people. We, are, we empathize with the user and we see this great opportunity and we want to advocate for that. And yeah, exactly. We need to be able, and especially as human, you need to be able to take a step back and be like, okay, is this a great opportunity for all the different aspects of business, user, technology, and so on? So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what you get when you have a a team of lively, excited problem solvers. Is every now and then you have to say, "All right, that is an exciting problem, but let's not solve it." Yeah, <laughs> right. Like that, we have we have too many solutions. We need to have less less fixes, and uh, focus on just a, a core of them. Well, you know, I don't I don't want to go into all the details of the talk because uh, you know, if if people are interested, they should just come to Spring One Platform and and see the talk. Yes, and, come hear us. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and then you'll there'll be uh, there'll be both of you speaking on it, which which will be great. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see it. And um, but before before we wrap up, sort of apart from that, I'm always curious how people ended up where they are. So how did how did you end up being a product manager and doing this role? Wow, huh? It. Comes- I mean, you don't have to start at birth. <laughs> it kind of comes a long way because uh, it's interesting. Actually, I'm an engineer and I've done engineering studies. And um, ever since high school, I started volunteering in different NGOs. And this is how I discovered at the beginning projects and marketing and then kind of building a product. And I started being really, really passionate about it. So after, after finishing my tech school, I actually started uh, working in, in product at the very, very beginning as a consultant, not really as a product manager, but little by little, I got really, really passionate by you know, building things that, that make sense, that are really like, that help people or mm. simply just the, the whole thing of discovering a new idea, seeing if it makes sense and then putting it out there and seeing it work. It just, it keeps being pretty amazing for me. Yeah, yeah. Especially the fact of like not doing it. You're not doing it by yourself. And the fact of like having an entire environment that you get to to motivate and to go in the same direction and build that as a as a collective success is is really as we're saying earlier, magical. So Yeah, you, you sort of have the, the the whole machine of the team and the process and and then also, I mean, to to go to the thing, uh, the kind of underappreciated forgotten thing we keep mentioning. You also have that wider organization or business context that, as you mentioned, can have annoying so-called politics involved. But they also like can be that same kind of environment that brings you the uh, the customers and the opportunities and the market, so to speak, you're operating in. So you have uh, you've got all the tools in the workshop if what you like doing is product <laughs> and <laughs> and tinkering with product. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's like, in, as in everything, you have these challenges because, you know, like here we're talking about you should do this, you should do that. And like, it seems pretty easy, but actually in day-to-day life, it is hard. It is pretty hard depending on the, the product, the company have a lot of challenges. And that's what we wanted to talk about uh, at, at the conference as well, together with Fani. It's like, you have all these challenges in order to get to a success. And it's like really cool to to, to see the whole process and at the end when, when it worked well to be like, okay, all oh, this was really worth it and we have something great now. 
Yeah, you've got a good you've got a good uh, reward feedback loop yeah. <laughs> in place. Well, great. Well, I, I think this this is uh, it's it's always fun to talk about product management and uh, get a little preview of the talk. So, do you have uh, you know in the meantime while people are waiting, you got like a a weblog or a Twitter account or anything you would you would uh, point people towards? Yeah, definitely. I have my my Medium account, Alexandra Lung. So that. I, I post articles from time to time there if you, if you want to follow me. If not, yeah, I have my Twitter account with the same name, um, LinkedIn as well. So don't hesitate to come back to me with any questions, stories, chats about product design. I'd be happy to. Yeah, and you know, what, what I noticed about most, uh, especially in Pivotal, but most product manager people I talk with is they're very eager to, eager to talk about product. <laughs> <laughs> with, yeah, with anyone. It's amazing how many great stories we share like when we meet between product people it's like such a such a knowledge base and like a lot of amazing amazing stories so. yeah 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 i mean it, it's it's a um obviously not all developers are like this but there's a stereotype of developers that they don't you know really want to talk with people which back when i was a developer i soon learned that that meant that there were just topics i didn't really talk about with people <laughs> but if you want to talk about programming i could talk all day about it but uh yeah i mean definitely uh pms tend to be very cheery and uh open to talk with anyone which uh, which should be good for the talk and just so yeah, I'll, I'll, like contact me beforehand or come see us after before after the conference i'd be happy to to chat more in details about certain aspects of pming and building products yeah well it should be fun well uh again it's at uh, it'll be at spring one platform and if you just go to spring one platform.io you can uh, get all the information and I'll put a little link in the show notes to get like, I think you get like $200 off registration or something. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if we've scheduled the exact day that it's on, but the, uh, the name of the talk, which I'll also put a link it, to. Yeah. It's on Tuesday morning. So oh, that's a good time. First talk yeah. of the morning. So Perfect. Yeah. So y'all should come check it out. It's called leading product colon, the sparks, the challenges and the victories, which, uh, that sounds very, very hopeful. So uh, thanks again for being on and uh, we'll see everyone next time. Bye bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I think it was pretty good. If you want to come check out Spring One Platform, remember it's in Austin, Texas, October 7th to 10th. If you go to springoneplatform.io, you can use the code S1P200 underscore Cote to get $200 off registration. Use that $200 to get yourself something nice from Austin, some fancy food, whatever you may be up to. You could put it in the bank and just uh, sort of look at it every now and then and be admiring the fact that you uh, not only went to a great conference, but you were savvy enough to use the code S1P200 underscore C-O-T-E to save 200 bucks. Well, I hope to see you at the conference in Austin. Bye-bye.